All right, Cinemaholics, it's time for a bonus episode, and it's it's a bottle episode. And this is this is a new a new label that we're giving episodes where we talk about TV shows, and specifically one TV show we're talking about, BoJack Horseman. I'm John Agroni from the Internet California, and you know what? Will Ashton is here, and Will, can Hooray. you can you explain what is a bottle episode? All right, so in I would say mostly sitcoms. There's a point in each season where they either go over budget on one episode or they try to save up for another episode, an impending episode. So they kind of isolate the set to one singular location and just have most, if not all the characters kind of stuck in there for various different reasons. And they just kind of have the characters just like talk to each other back and forth about whatever they're dealing with. So that's a bottle. Which is great. Because our bottle episode, we're all together. The scene isn't going to change. We're not going to move to a different topic. We're going to stay on BoJack Horseman. Now, we also have Soundmaster Maverick Hines. Yes, you do. I'm here. Who is uh, one of the people who convinced me to watch BoJack Horseman in the first place. You know, because he kept bugging me about it. Yeah, because I'm smart and now your life is better. <laughs> this is going to... We should also stress that Maverick is bottling up some emotions about the title mm-hmm. of... Hey, I wasn't going to bring it up. <laughs> I think it's a dumb name. <laughs> we'll let the listeners decide. Yeah. Well, here's what's going to happen. Now that I've said that, we're going to have 50 emails about why I'm an idiot. <laughs> and Alex, our friend Alex is going to be like, you know what? I met He doesn't think you guys are smart enough to know what bottle episodes are. That and is and not- I thought that was kind of, wow. That's exactly what I said. You caught me. I was smart, like, our Maverick. listeners are stupid. <laughs> so saying bottleneck is really just a front for the fact that I'm stupid and I don't know what a bottle episode is. <laughs> you guys called me out. I'm about to go off. Maverick, to transition better to... into what we're going to be talking about. And and to set things up, I mean, this is freeform casual. We're taking shots at each other. This Explicit. Isn't, this isn't Disney World. We don't got airtight schedules. We're not. We're not polished here. This is a... This is not a family episode, if that makes any sense. But like... It, this isn't your dad, Cinemaholics. <laughs> or is it? Because... I was gonna say, isn't it totally a family episode? Because like we're, yeah, it's not any exactly. different than... This isn't your granddad's episode. So, Maverick Hines. What? Uh, tell us, <laughs> what is BoJack Horseman? Walk us through, what is this show? Like, for me? Or like, what is the show? What is the show? Yeah, objectively. <laughs> not like your interpretation of the facts. Well, BoJack Horseman is a show about BoJack Horseman. <laughs> Great I'm, start. Yeah, I mean, that's all I've got. Now, here, I'm going to read the synopsis for you so that we can get kind of a better idea here. BoJack Horseman was the star of a hit TV show, Horsin' Around, in the 90s. Now he's washed up, living in Hollywood, complaining about everything, and wearing colorful sweaters. That's the official... Wikipedia took the words right out of your mouth. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't have said it better myself. Uh, Bojack Horseman's... Uh, I mean, it is, it is those things, right? We follow the story of Bojack Horseman, who is kind of like, uh, you know, the guy who still thinks he's the stuff after his success in the 90s. It's very much Saget. like an old, washed-up, you know, TV, TV star from a show that wasn't really that great. Um, and we see Bojack kind of tackling a lot of his... Uh, his issues throughout these four seasons that we've gotten so far. Trauma, depression, self-destruction. I mean, this show does everything, right? Yeah. I mean, it really tackles a lot. Um, pretty well, I would say. Um, we follow just a, a lot of different stuff. The first season's kind of more about uh, his autobiography book that he's writing. Or not autobiography. A book that is being written about By him. By a ghostwriter. It's yeah. technically a, an autobiography. Yeah, I don't... Because he was supposed to write it. Yeah, that, this is what the pilot is about. Yeah, so it's all about him kind of getting his, his book written 
Um, and just to say, like, if you've never watched an episode of BoJack Horseman, we're not going to spoil major things for you. We're going to give you an impression of what the show is like. But we're not going to throw out huge spoilers unless we give you like a ton of warning. I probably won't give you a ton of warning, but John will yell at me afterwards, and then we'll re we'll re hmm. say the segment. That's what and editing's I'll fix for. It. Yeah, that's what we're we'll do it in post. We'll do it live. Sorry. Um, yeah, I, I think I answered your question. <laughs> I think so. Um, yeah, and you know, I I I the reason. I want to have this conversation with you guys because I think a couple of weeks ago we were talking about BoJack season four mm-hmm. and it was tough because I had just watched everything. I binged the entire series and then Same. went right through season four and I haven't had a chance to really like channel my thoughts on everything. So I'm excited to hear what you guys have to say because you've kind of had to help hold back a little bit with me <laughs> so that I wouldn't get spoiled on stuff. But yeah, walking things through, uh, why do you like BoJack Horseman is a question I want to ask because like I think a lot of you when they hear about the show because I'm thinking about my experience like I was not interested in BoJack like I watched the pilot I think like right when the first season came out like three years ago Mm -hmm. not impressed I, I just really it didn't connect for me you're not alone in that too I don't think I've heard a single person who was like the pilot had me hooked right which is funny because I rewatched the pilot right before we recorded and I was like, this holds up. Yeah. Like it's, it's, it's good. It, it's funny. Cause I think people watched the show and they were expecting something. And I think a lot of the, the weirdness of Bojack, it takes a few episodes to get used to. Mm-hmm. I don't even think the first few episodes are bad necessarily. I just think that they're unfamiliar, but like once you get used to it, it really starts to sink in, I guess. Yeah. I think it's a show that needs context, right? So when you watch the first episode without seeing anything, you need to taste like, what it's is like going a, on. But like once you kind of get going on, you understand the setting. It's like, oh, like this is great. Do you agree, Walashin, or do you think we're nuts? Yeah. No, I totally agree. I mean, like we said last week, this is my favorite show on Netflix. This might be my favorite and show. And I will. Hmm. You think so? Like ever or just like currently on TV? It might be so. like my favorite show as of right now. I don't know ever. Because like, Breaking Bad is off the air. Yeah, but br- I don't favorites. think Breaking... Yeah. I, I like this more than I like Breaking, Breaking Bad. Breaking Bad was my favorite. I mean, Mad Men is one of my favorite shows of all time. I, I start to go to the... I, I don't know. Animated series, it's tough. Like if you did... Let's just say animated series. Then this wins. I, for me though, uh, Avatar The Last Airbender. Oh, God, I feel bad I just said that now. Avatar, I mean, but here's the thing. I think so Bojack. Different. I think Bojack's better. I just Avatar like is like my soul. Hmm. It's like who I am. But Avatar is like your spirit. Stop. <laughs> I would say The Simpsons is probably my favorite anime show, say, but yeah. Bojack's a close second. That's yeah. tough. And then Futurama too. I have a real soft spot for that show. That's my Simpsons, really? I guess. See, I'm an American dad. That's where I'm at. Hmm. Well, obviously, is that still Sarah? probably couldn't tell you. American Dad, yeah, that's yeah. still going on. Is that your? You said it's your favorite. Yeah. So I like watching the old yeah. episodes. I haven't watched anything new in like probably the last two. Yeah, years. I get that. Fair enough. Do you still watch the new Simpsons episodes, Will Ash? Sometimes, not as regularly as I yeah. would watch like the old ones on FXX, but hmm. I tried to keep up with it here and there. It's just not really the same anymore, which is a shame. Well, someone say BoJack Horseman is the adult version of Arthur from PBS, but with humans. And, you know, back to my original question, you know, it, it, it is a show. It's an adult show that plays on things. It, it, I think a show like Bojack Horseman could only exist for in this period of time where you have like kids who grew up on Arthur and anthropomorphized animals being well, like so regular. Like, it's not like, 
it's not like the slapstick Looney Tunes and Mickey Mouse or anything. It's like actual, like we grew up like Zootopia, for example. It's just so popular, so ingrained of like animals living in a a society and it's very realistic. You know what I'm saying? Well, kind of. I mean, there was like Robin Hood in the 60s and stuff. So it's not like this is completely foreign. That wasn't modern society. I will say. Sure. Um, I will say to go one step further. To go one step further, I will say that this show would probably not exist at least past the f- one season if it weren't for Netflix. Because mm-hmm. I think this show is very dependent on being a binging show, like more so than even like House of Cards or something like that. Like I think, like you were saying before, you have to kind of absorb it in like two or three segments, and just like if you were to watch like an hour or two of this, then you'd pretty much get hooked. In my opinion, if you get to like episode four, you're there. You're there. But if this was like a weekly show, like on Comedy Central or Adult Swim, I can't honestly see it making past the first season. I mean, even if it was just as good as it was the first season, I don't see like the network really sticking with it once like the ratings start falling by episode like three or whatever. Uh, and that's do you agree with but, that? yeah, because that's why BoJack Horseman stands out is because it's made. Right to not satisfy typical sitcom norms. Mm-hmm. Typical sitcoms, like, it, it, again, I was watching the pilot. They even make a joke about how the reason he loved Horsin' Around, the the sitcom that the show's based on, is because everything goes back to normal after 30 minutes. And the one time that there's an, like, unchangeable change is the series finale when he dies in the, in the sitcom, not in the show, Bojack Horseman. And... I think that that makes so much sense, you know, because like the actual sitcom, like the actual sitcom format, everything has to be standalone and you you can't like, you know what I'm saying? Like something like this that's yeah. so smart that like has all of the mm-hmm. repeated jokes and like it rewards fandom that that's what makes it as smart as it is. So that's why people love it as much as they do. Yeah, and it continues to trend, like we were saying before, of like arrest development and community where it does kind of stereo, it, it picks apart stereotypes or different, you know, cliches of comedies or sitcoms at least. And it just explores them in very dark and depressing and sort of interesting thematic ways. And I think that's what makes a show so mature. And like you're saying, like, I don't know if audiences would really accept a show like about this talking horse that lives with other anthropomorphic animals quite as seriously if we weren't so used to shows like Zootopia and stuff what, like that or movies like that. And Zootopia. I think what turns a lot of people off when they watch the pilot is just like the blatant bestiality. You know what I mean? Like sure. I, I think that that honestly, I think that's a deal breaker for a lot of people who start part. the show and then they they don't keep watching because they're like, this is weirds me out. I don't care if it's animated, like the idea of like animals and humans, like, you know, obviously the furries kept it alive, yeah. but you, you, you get what I'm saying. It's like, I still yeah. like, I get a little like, Ooh. I mean, you get, it's weird. Sometimes you do get a little desensitized to it. And then like, you remember and you're like, this is really weird. Well, yeah. I mean, the only time it really stuck out to me was like, whenever, for whatever reason, like anytime Mr. Peanut Butter took off his shirt. It just like stuck with me, like because he has like his huge like six pack. I'm like, oh yeah, this is like a dog. This is kind of <laughs> weird. And then it gets goes back to normal. Um, why do you guys? Why do you guys think the animal thing exists at all? This is something I've been thinking about. Like, I've been trying to understand on my own. Why did the creators choose to make animals and humans live in this world together? What was the goal? Was it just? Was it was it just to be different? You know, what what are your what are your different takes on that? I think to use animals um, <clears throat> in place of some characters and not all is a really good way to um, 
kind of like I, I don't know how, if I'm gonna say this right, but to like isolate key personality traits without necessarily throwing them in your face too much, right? Like I think it'd be easy to make a guy, let, let's say Mr. Peanut Butter, right? They use his dog-like qualities to make sense in his character. But if they were, if that was an all-human show and it was just a guy playing Mr. Peanut Butter and he was like that, I feel like they would have to kind of overdo it to make those things stick and make sense, right? Um, does that is that a clear thought? Does that make sense in a way? I don't know. I, I think so. I, so I, I just think it's yeah. a really cool way to like, to really point out some of these things. Like when you think of Bojack as a horse, right? Like as a, as a show horse kind of thing who, when they're done, we kind of just kick him to the side. Right. And like peanut butter is always up for event. Like it's, it's just really cool how they take the personality of the character and the animal that they're using and like make them more than what I think they could be if it was an all animal show or an all human show. Yeah. I mean, I was going to say, I think the actual reason why is because as far as I Recall, I was actually kind of reading up a bit about it, and I think it's actually a mixture of different ideas. The creator of the show, Raphael, Bob, I think, is it Waxberg or Wackersberg? I'm not, never really sure how to pronounce his last Waxburg, name. I want to say. Yeah, because I know he had like, he, he was talking before about like, he had this idea, like, I think for like a sad horse show or something, and he was like, no one could really buy it. And then he had like another idea for like this like failed sitcom thing, and then he just like combined them, and then this is how it became about. Hmm. Because actually, I was going to comment before, apparently, I thought, like you, that the character of BoJack Horseman was based on Bob Saget, and he might be in part in later seasons, but I guess he was apparently not really based on anyone in particular. He was just this idea for, like, a sad character that him and some girl, like, another writer uh, had when he was a struggling writer in L.A., so Bob Saget, I was trying though? to find... I said that? that, were they thinking of Bob Saget, though? No, that's <laughs> what I mean. They, they didn't have any particular actor in mind apparently i mean that's what he says i, I think maybe I mean, maybe he might to be start lying, with, but i mean uh, maybe he's talking about like the original idea but it's just so clear when you're watching the show and like the humor the raunchiness the show that like i mean full house started in 1987 like it's obvious to me with like it's obvious to me that he had full house on his mind like i think a lot of the sure. yeah like yeah. a lot of like the gags with the horse and around show Though even like the whole Sarah Lynn story arc or the course of the show resembles very closely, you know, all child actors, but it's definitely following, you know, Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen. I, I found something cool. I was just, I kind of looked this up really quick and a Reddit user has like a really cool idea that I think would be worth working. A uh, Reddit user. What's the Reddit user's name? Dat Cracker. D-A-T Cracker. Respect. That's, that's his name. Hey, Dat Cracker. That's what bottle episodes are for. So he, you know, starts off by saying, I had this question of why were they using animals? And then he brought up, um, he said, oh, perhaps some of you are familiar with the playwright. I don't know. How, is it Brecht? Brecht? B-R-E-C-H-T. I don't know how to pronounce that correctly. Brecht. Yeah. Um, his famous style, which was involved disconnecting the audience from the show by implementing absolutely bizarre elements. Um, Brecht felt like if you watched a play and got so involved with the characters and the story that you felt you were part of it, that you wouldn't walk away understanding the difficult themes, concept, and real-world applications of the show. So he's connecting it, saying that maybe BoJack Horseman wants you to walk away with something. It's a commentary on life, hopelessness, depression, success, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. It's successful at pointing these themes out because it disconnects you from any possible reality in the show. If we saw events in the show with human characters, we might see these events as something that could really happen and think of the events through the lens of a character rather than the lens of the event itself. That that actually, like I have it right here, That that that's almost in line with one of my theories. I, I have two ways of approaching this. 
your next book, The Bojack Theory? The Bojack Theory. I have two competing things. On the one hand, I think it's a very simple decision to have, to, just to make it a comedy. Because the visual gags in this show alone add a lot of extra comedy to what would otherwise be too depressing. Like, it would just be overwhelmingly depressing and bleak. But because it is a ton of animals, it's just, it creates an opportunity for the show to have like extra, like a treasure trove of jokes to rely on. Like every couple of, you know, scenes, like it, it, even like every scene, they're able to just like inject a visual gag. Oh, it's great. That would be really difficult to write for just like a live action or like just a normal person show because there are a lot of normal people shows out there and that kind of a lot of them have to steer away from being too bleak right like i'm trying to think of shows like home movies or even something like futurama to an extent like whenever they get too serious they have to like start relying on like one type of joke they'll rely on something like wordplay and i think it's just a device for bojack horseman to lighten things up um but i have another uh take on this and i i watched this really Really interesting video by Carson Runquist on YouTube. Uh, Carson does like a lot of really great video essays. And I watched one that he made kind of recently, right before season four came out, uh, actually like a few months before. Uh, It's called Bojack Horseman Addressing Identity. I really recommend it. uh, If you go on YouTube and look it up, it's it's a great video. And he, he lays out, like he even says, like, maybe I'm overthinking this, but it is a very plausible interpretation where he says that like, just look at the main characters, Right, Bojack Horseman, Princess Carolyn, and Peanut Butter are the three main characters who are animals, and Diane and Todd are the two main characters who are humans. And there is a dichotomy between the animal main characters and the human ones. The the human main characters both struggle with identity more so than Princess Carolyn and Mr. Peanut Butter. Uh, in the sense that Diane, she's a ghostwriter. She it, like her whole precipice of her character is that she has to write for somebody else. She goes through the entire series not being confident in who she is. Todd is the exact same way. You know, he goes on all of these misadventures, and he really like he doesn't have a home. He's just kind of going from place to place, and especially in season three, you, you, it really starts to dig into like he doesn't really know a lot of like who he really is. But if you look at the animal two main characters, aside from Bojack. Uh, Princess Carolyn has a very consistent, like, this is who I am. Uh, she is more reacting to how things happen to her. And her being an animal character, it actually, like, is a clever way to write her because you don't expect that. You expect, like, the, the animal character to be the one who doesn't know who they are, but because they're animals and they're typecasted, it's almost as if, like, their identities have been figured out. It's almost like you become an, an like you're an animal, and that suddenly makes you easy to figure out, just in the main characters. Same goes for Mr. Peanut Butter. Like, his idea, he's a flat character for the most part. Mm-hmm. His, his worldviews, his attitude, his personality doesn't really change all that much throughout the series, whereas Diane and Todd change all the time. And then Bojack is the interesting middle ground, because, like, even his last name is Horse Man. And like mm-hmm. the the show is relying on you to relate to Bojack Horseman because he's kind of both, you know. He kind of knows who he is. He accepts it, but he also really struggles with identity. He's an animal, but the show really focuses on how you know, especially in season four, like his past, where he comes from, and season three, there is a certain moment where like he's considering suicide, and the 
the way that that season sort of resolves that arc, he looks at a bunch of horses running around and he realizes being a horse is really who he is. So it's like a competing like horse versus man. And I don't know. I thought that was really interesting. Maybe he is overthinking it, but I thought that was really cool. I love that. No, it's definitely. Yeah, no, I thought that was really good. Carson Runquist, check it out. Great uh, YouTuber. Oh, and uh, before we go too far, I just wanted to let you know, uh, the comic I was talking about is called Tip Me Over, Poor Me Yeah, the the same illustrator. With Lisa, yeah, with Lisa Hanawalt to give credit to them. Yeah, and I think the show really thrives on her, like, entire conception of how everything looks. Uh, I think it's Mm -hmm. a very unique, like, visual style that, yeah, it's great. It's just right. Um, you know, the show's going to have a fifth season. Um, it's already my favorite. (laughs) (laughs) And I want to point out, like, if you're watching the first season of Bojack Horseman and in all the whole show in general, it is one long satire of Hollywood to an extent. Why do you guys think the show gets away with that? Because I honestly, one of the reasons I had trouble with Bojack in the first place, it wasn't just like the animal human sex stuff. It was also like, I don't know. I felt like I was like, I, I already watched Californication. Like, I've seen so many shows about L.A. antiheroes who just can't deal with their first world problems. And I had, an, I, I, I honestly, like, I had trouble in the first few episodes because I was like, I don't, why should I care? Why do you guys think he gets, Bojack gets away with it? Why is he still likable? Why does the show still feel fresh? I mean, I think it's just honestly a fact that it combines these, you know, different things. Like you said, like the animal things that we're kind of used to growing up mixed with this, like, Hollywood satire mixed with this 80s parody it's like i think you know like how if you have like some bananas that are going sour and the bread that's kind of plain on its own you put them together you make banana bread it's delicious you put all these different elements together and you make this show and it turns out great yeah i mean i, I agree i i think <laughs> sorry i had to think about the banana bread one it got me for a second i'm on a carb does that make sense yeah i'm just i'm on a carb-free confusion? diet so the thought of banana bread got me oh, yeah. i was salivating for a second solid analogy yeah um anyway no i i agree with you well i i do think a lot of it has to do with what we just talked about this this kind of unique presentation of these characters and like i think it makes us focus more on you know what's happening versus like oh is this another hollywood thing right like when i'm watching it i don't feel that because i'm not focused on that i'm focused on like trying to figure out you know what's going on with these characters and, and what, what I think for me, sorry, I'm mumbling a lot here for me. What strikes me so much is, is that I relate so much to Bojack um, in the deal, the problems that he's dealing with more so than like what he's doing to handle those things um, that I, I just get really enveloped by that. And even though I can't relate to being obviously a nineties TV star, the, the fact that they frame those problems in, somewhat more of a relatable manner, even though I haven't experienced a lot of the things that Bojack's character has makes me just like, I, I get like obsessed with it sometimes. Like when I was watching season four, I started off slow, but I was just like, towards the end, I was like, these problems are so crazy. And like, I was so invested in it that I was like, that's all I was focusing on. You know what I mean? I didn't really care about the Hollywood side of it. I cared about like, what, what is this issue? Right. I feel like I mm-hmm. talked a lot about really, sim- that was a simple answer. <laughs> I think so. I, I, I think I'm connecting exactly with what you're saying because even though they do such a good job of making Hollywood feel like its own place. <laughs> I love it. It start like they take the yeah. day away and it's just, it's Hollywood. That's Hollywood. Or Romantic Hollywood. gestures just create worlds. But I think the fact that they do create so many threads of like lore between the characters, it feels big and small, 
Whereas like if they had done too much to make Hollywood feel like, you know, like the typical Hollywood or if they, if it had been boring, I, I think, yeah, it would have been tough to like grasp onto it. And I also think there's something to be said about Bojack being a horse instead of like a white guy. You know, it, it, it just, it's a way to, to take that whole part of the conversation out of it. Mm-hmm. So you can just focus on like mm-hmm. who he is as a person and like all the other stuff is just put aside because this is about who he is. It's not about that, anything like that, but it's still a show that brings up things like prejudice all the yeah. time. And that, that goes back to that Reddit users theory, right? Like yeah. using the animals to dis- disconnect us from the individual people and exactly. focus more on what is happening. Um, so yeah, shout out to Dat Cracker. <laughs> how much, how, <laughs> much saying that. how much do you disagree with us? Well, no, I don't disagree at all. I was just going to say, we should not undersell it. The show is also just super clever. Yeah. I mean, that's another huge factor in the fact that it just works. Like, I mean, like Arrest Development, I mean, on the surface, it could just seem like an average, you know, family, you know, sitcom. We've seen how many of those, but that the fact that it is so clever and so self-aware about itself, it was able to spin that and become something that's a little more in-depth and weird and wilder than it actually appears. Will Arnett. And that's the same with Will Bojack. Arnett. He, yeah. he chooses some clever shows, except for yeah, Up like All the Gong Show. <laughs> Um, you didn't like that one? I, I've heard mixed The pilot up, was promising, but then they turned the show into something completely different. Christine Applegate left and just disaster. Hmm. Did they, did they try to do like a live version or did that not come? Through? I don't think it ever came about, but yeah, they try to make it like a multi-camera yeah. sitcom or a single yeah, camera sitcom. That yeah. was weird. Yeah. Should we also talk about how great the voice actors are in the show and how they bring so much to their, their individual and, characters? And, you know, tying to like this show rewards repeated viewings because one of the things like you already mentioned the cleverness, the gags that you might miss the first time characters showing up like turtle top is in the first episode. Mm -hmm. I totally miss that. Yeah. Um, And especially the voice actors. I always am staring at the credits to see who did a voice. I might be unsure. And I'm like, Oh, that's that Mm -hmm. actress from master of none or like what Rachel Bloom from crazy ex-girlfriend. I love how they get great voice actors that are perfect. What, who, I had no who, idea, by the way, and I'm one of the biggest Alison Brie fans. We call this a bottle episode for crying out loud, and she's one of the main characters of Community. I had no idea Alison Brie was Diane until like halfway through the first season, and it blew my mind. Yeah. Who did <laughs> uh, the crazy ex girlfriend? What character did she voice actor? She played actor? Uh, the, one of the like side characters in the pilot. Can't remember. But I saw her name, and I was like, I think what? she's. I think she plays a variety of yeah. different supporting characters because her name pops up a lot and I don't think she's any one specific character. I think she's Emily Mortimer in the pilot. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That, I think that makes yeah. sense, yeah. <laughs> um, I have a question for you guys. If you So we've seen four seasons of BoJack and mm-hmm. they've all kind of yep. tackled different things, right? What would you say your favorite season is so far? I was going to ask too, like favorite episode. So question. favorite season, favorite episode. Two different things. Okay. I'll start. John, why don't you start first? You never start first. I never start first. Oh, gosh. (laughs) Gorsh. Well, gorsh. Probably. There there are a couple episodes vying for this. Uh, Let's start start with season. Let's start broad and go narrow. That's a good idea. What's your favorite season? I'm trying to decide between season two and season three. Mm, And I'm leaning toward probably season three. I think as a whole... I mean, that's the season with like the LA Gazette episode. It has the Lost in Translation episode. Mm-hmm. It just, like, I, I remember that season so well. And I think like the whole like him searching for an Oscar subplot was a lot stronger. Oh, that was great. Than most others. And I also think that like how that episode crushes you in the end 
uh, it definitely crushed me. And I, I, I love how it sets up season four and season two is a close second because season two has one of my favorite episodes. So what about you, Will? I think I'm exactly on the same page as you. I was thinking about this for a while and I love each season for their own individual reasons. But I think if I had to choose season three is probably my favorite. I think season four is probably the best put together as a whole. And I think I probably laughed the most in season two or season one, but I think season three, just there's so many great moments that you mentioned. And also I think if you were to watch a couple episodes, like even like half the first season and you just decide you're not into it, I would say at the very least treat yourself to fish out of water, which is in season three. It's a bottle episode. Uh, and it's easily the best episode of the show to date. I mean, I can spend this whole episode just praising that. Well, we weren't there yet. <laughs> oh, man. I really like the experimental episodes where like they go back in time and like this is what happened. And, and oh, wait, I didn't mention in season three, the 2007 episode mm. blew my mind. Oh, yeah. Which is and I would say uh, most people agree with you as far as casual goers uh, on Rotten Tomatoes. Season two and season three are both at 100 percent. I love season four. I really do. I think season four has mm-hmm. like one of the best uh, ending twists. And also the penultimate in that one destroyed me. Mm-hmm. And it's really close. I mean, honestly, two, three, and four are all really close to each other. And it's all like, it could change. I really want to watch everything again because maybe yeah. my opinion would change. For, for me, it's between two and four. And I really appreciate three, but I think both two and four just spoke to me on a more personal level. Um, just so I'm clear, season two is the one where he goes to New Mexico, right? That's season two? I believe so, yeah. Season two, yeah, that's the one with the Secretariat shoot. Yeah, so he goes to New yeah, Mexico. Yeah, because he doesn't finish. He goes to New Mexico for two months, cause he, and they have to finish the movie. You're yeah. right. Okay, yeah. So season two, that whole sequence where he goes to New Mexico was one of the most like powerful things I think I've seen in this show. Mm-hmm. Um, I think yeah, I would definitely. ultimately have to give it to season four, though, just because I appreciate... And I said this in our in our mini, or mini review a couple weeks ago, but I just really appreciated the way they tackled such huge problems. And episode like, six, it's it, a legend. I don't want to expand on this too much, but to like go back and watch some of those episodes after some of the recent events from this week, yeah, it just it's. I think they did an amazing job at pointing out um, modern American hypocrisy in a lot of issues, and then also thoughts some, and prayers. Some issues. Yeah, thoughts and yeah. prayers. The episodes that exactly, you're to. and I mean, just uh, season four, I think is is really masterful in a way that they tackle such huge things i don't want to keep saying that but it's it means a lot to me i'll say i like the penultimate in season four a lot better than season three mm-hmm. and season two's i think season mm. three has my one of my least favorite i i know i love the penultimate in season three but there was something about it that's that's too much man there was something about it that felt a little too yeah, much i don't know like <laughs> man i think it's right on par with downer ending where he has like the really long vision whatever but I think season two uh, and season four have the best penultimate, personally. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, I'm. I think my favorite penultimate episode is probably from season two, like with Maverick. I just thought that episode Escape was from just LA incredible. Just, yeah, that was an incredible it's episode. Just, it's so it's too much, man. <laughs> I want to say that's. I want to say Escape from LA is my favorite, but I I'm having trouble because I also I think Ruthie in season four. I've told you guys like. Because that was the episode where I realized that like Princess Carolyn is my favorite character, mm-hmm. and it just kind of man. So that's that's your vote for a favorite episode. I think so because like I was thinking my other favorite episodes, and I also really love it's you. Well, yeah, g- give us a give us a few. 
Huh? I said, tell us a few. You don't have to pick one. Like, what were you? Um, I think it's Ruthie. And I think that I came to that conclusion because it's you. The way that that episode ends, too. Like, I think you know what I'm talking about in season three, where it's like the Bojack and uh, Princess Carolyn episode. And I think that Ruthie is just the perfect way to tie up the story arc for her. And she's just a character that I relate with the most. And I think that was the, her best episode. And yeah, I, I, it's tough. I, I, again, I have to say Escape from L.A. is probably a really close second. Yeah. Will? My favorite character? No, your favorite episode. A favorite yeah. episode. Uh, I mean, I'm between Fish Out of Water, like I said before, and then and Escape from L.A. Although I do really like Not Another Downer Ending, especially for how it plays with animation during a certain drug sequence. Uh, a little more than halfway into the episode. I, I, I rewatched that one scene on YouTube so many times just cause that cracks me up yeah. all the time. Uh, but yeah, I mean, if I, if I had to choose, it would be between fish out of water and, uh, escape from LA. Just because, uh, or escape to LA or escape, from LA. escape from LA. Escape from LA. I say, well, just because I think we can talk about that episode without doing too many spoilers because you love fish out of water so much. Why don't you like give a little tidbit to people? Cause I think it's a really cool thing to isolate. Well, can I point out something real quick though? Yeah. Both both of my favorite episodes, Escape from LA and Ruthie, are both directed by the same person, hmm. Amy Winfrey. And there are a lot of directors at the show. Amy Winfrey directs a lot of them, but yeah, yeah, yeah I think she directs the most Probably. episode, which is cool. I mean, yeah, there are, especially in season four, there's a lot of female uh, writers and directors involved. Oh yeah, I notice. actually, so well before you do that, I, I I'll give my favorite episode just because I think I'll forget by the time we're t- done talking about Fish Out of Water. Um, sure, I, go ahead. I, I, I like we said. You know, uh, Escape from LA is, I think, one of the best episodes of the series. Uh, for me, the my favorite one was in season four. Um, what was it called? You stupid piece of yeah. yeah. It's a prof- it's a profanity. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so we won't say it, but it's it's the one that really tackles like anxiety, and a lot of the episode is in BoJack's head, and like again, they play with animation a little bit differently, and it was a really unique episode, and it was like. I, I talked about it again two weeks ago, but like if you've someone who's ever been through any sort of issues with anxiety or depression, like it's an episode that speaks mm-hmm. to you. Like it's, it's real. So I really appreciate that episode, but escape from LA is another fantastic one. And I'd say time zero, the season four penultimate is in my top five for yes. sure. That, that episode floored me. I raved about that one on when we talked about it a couple weeks ago. Yeah. I think, Will, you were a little bit more disappointed by it. Maybe we, we blew we, up your expectations. No, no, no. We I just hyped it too much. Yeah. I, no, no, no. I was, more disappointed by I think the finale because like, you guys were hyping the like actual finale. Oh yeah, is like this huge mm-hmm. like emotional wrecking ball, and I was more like, oh, that's kind of what I expected from the actual finale. Yeah. But no, I really loved the penultimate episode as I always love the penultimate episodes, and I would agree with Maverick that the episode "Stupid Piece of" <laughs> is my favorite for season four, <laughs> cool. uh, and well deserved. All right, guys. Well, uh, I was just say real quick. I I thought it'd be cool if maybe for just a couple minutes we could talk about fish out of water because I think we can without spoiling too many things. Well, you know what? Uh, let's let's say that that's like our favorite. That's our last thing to go out on. So we're cool. we're gonna kind of spoil this episode a little bit. It's not gonna be major. You probably will forget all about it. But uh, yeah, let's let's close out with that. I I really want to because fish out of water is a very conceptually interesting show. So yeah, let's finish with that. Well, you're the you're the you know the owner of this one. So why don't we? Lead the charge on this a little bit. Okay. So just break it down or just explain why I like it so much or both. Well, let's start with why you like it so much. Neither. Okay. Well, what I like about this episode more than any other, I think, or as much, if not more than any other episode of BoJack Horseman is because I think this is the episode that really just kind of proves 
how much Bojack can do, especially because part of what makes Bojack so great is just the rapid fire dialogue and how much like pop culture brilliance they can take out of each little moment uh, and background joke, as we were saying before. But like, this is like the just, it's just a beautifully made episode, like from top to bottom. I mean, the premise is that Bojack Horseman, he is doing the film circuit, film festival circuit, promoting his film secretariat. And he has to go to this, underwater town that's hosting basically the animal version of cons <laughs> more or less so for like uh, our perspective it's basically if you were if you don't speak if you were to go to like france or you know italy or something and never you know speak a lick of their language and you go into this world you know not really having any sense of proper communication with people bojack is you know obviously a land animal he has this breathing mass that keeps him you know breathing but he can't really communicate with anyone and he forms this kind of uh relationship with this little boy a la the kid charlie chaplin's the kid and they kind of just bond throughout the city and it's very reminiscent of a french film called playtime from the 60s i don't know if any of our listeners have watched that film or not but it's basically yeah it's just a huge silent episode that relies a lot on physical and slapstick comedy in a way that's very poignant and smart and very heartfelt. And you could watch that episode and not really have to know anything about what's going on about the rest of the series and just connect with it in a very emotional and ironically human way. And I think if there's an episode that should have won Emmy from Bojack, it's this one. <laughs> I especially. think especially you kind of hinted at it. This is a character who already feels so isolated and he's yearning for connection all the time and like it would be the show kind of ends with a like you could have talked to them the whole like you could have communicated the entire right. time but like <laughs> he didn't give himself a chance or like he didn't do this this or that yeah he didn't think perfect metaphor in perfect like pr- provocation of like who this character is how he all- feels all the time and mm-hmm. it's kind of like the stupid piece of uh, episode where like you're in his head but you're watching it play out and also this is probably the best directed episode of bojack horseman mm-hmm. not just in terms of like the visual stuff uh, which is beautiful the illustrations are just gorgeous like i watched this episode i think twice in a row mm-hmm. but also the score the like the electronic Come on now uh i think jesse novak did it just beautiful like pristine and it, it captures exactly what you would expect from a, a fi- being like in a major film festival atmosphere like in france right and it's it i honestly i do think that this is one of the best episodes of the show, for sure. As far as quality goes, yeah. I mean, I, there's there's not much to complain about. It's it's a fantastic episode. It was really funny when I watched it the first time. I thought that I accidentally muted the episode after they after they went underwater. <laughs> I was like, and I restarted it, and I was like, what is going on? And then I was like, oh, I'm I'm stupid. That's mm-hmm. what's happening. What's uh, why I don't understand bottle episode because I'm stupid. Uh, no, but I this it's you guys already said it all. I mean, I, I don't know what else to say about it. It's, it's so more. cool. And so the things that we didn't say, Oh, is that what we're doing here? <laughs> I thought I was just supposed to agree with you blindly. Yeah. Anyway, that's what our listeners want, man. I, yeah, that's true. Um, bottle episode. you've thrown me off. Now. <laughs> uh, it's, I mean, it's such a unique episode, right? I mean, when, like I said, when I first saw it, I, I didn't understand what was happening because it was so just different. And, you guys already said a lot of the great stuff. The score is fantastic. And this uh, idea of him kind of like running through the town, not being able to communicate, you know, bonding with a little kid. I think John, you said it great. The him wanting to bond with people and wanting to communicate, but just not having the means to do it, but realizing that he could have the whole time. Right. It's yeah. just all about like, you know, he could have told her if he the director three seconds to 
think about things before just impulsively trying to make stuff happen yeah. right which is i think a way a lot of people react to situations i know i do that right something goes wrong i'm just like i need to fix this i don't take a minute to think and go okay what are my options right now right and that's that's notorious bojack right there right just constantly you know impulsively trying to fix stuff so it's it's a really cool way where i think we get to dive a little bit deeper or a lot deeper into bojack's character without hearing a word from him so I guess at this point, we've decided that BoJack Horseman, uh, best show on television, and at least the smartest. Uh, oh, wow. <laughs> I mean, I'm only partly kidding, Will. But do, did you Well, I mean, I would, I would totally stand up to that. I mean, I haven't watched every show on television. To you haven't seen fair, Inhumans? But you need to catch up, Will. You need to stay human. on the, the pop oh, culture. Did you actually watch the pilots of Inhumans? Or are you just <laughs> I've got, I've got time. I, I don't have that kind of time. I, yeah, I was going to say, I mean... I've I've heard it lives up to every bad thing that people. Why would have I watch an episode it? of Inhumans Which, but I could watch a season of BoJack Horseman? You're on exactly. Something. Yeah. So what were we talking? I about? think I do want to say smartest comedy on television. Yep. That's what I say. I don't know if it's the best show yeah. on Netflix because I mean it is. It's more than comedy. How do you compare a comedy to an action movie? It's chaos. Oh, one's better. No one. I mean, <laughs> one can be like objectively better. Like I'd rather watch this one. But Netflix has some pretty great shows. Daredevil. Yeah, a lot of House great of shows. Cards. And BoJack is better yeah, than all of them. I mean, we're not saying that BoJack Horseman is the only great show on Netflix. We're saying it's the best. It's a cream yeah. of Stranger Things 2 Season 1. It's the top horse. Top horse. I like that. All right, well, thanks for listening to our bottle episode. We're going to be back for our main show later this week, basically. Probably. Until then, from the Internet California, I am John Negroni. In the internet, Pennsylvania, I am Will Ashton. And crying from the broadband basement as I watch season four of BoJack Horseman. And, uh...